the History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. Welcome to the History of the World podcast magazine. Hello everyone and welcome to this very special Christmas Day episode of the History of the World magazine. And I thought we'd do something completely different this time. With um, a lot of the focus now being on uh, historical societies and and nations um, and peoples, we often forget how popular... Uh, volume one of the podcast was and and many people say that we look for history podcasts or we look for material about human evolution and we we can't find it and we find it with the history of the world podcast so there's many people that are quite grateful for the work that we did in volume one so what I thought I would do I'd do a little two-parter where we actually look back on some of the material of Volume 1, but I believe that it would be quite a good thing to do. It's almost to follow the timeline and then just uh, take little excerpts out of our Volume 1 material to enhance that little story. So we're going to do a little story. It's going to be a two-parter, and uh, it's going to be essentially about human ancestors. So we're going to start uh, right back to um, our, our, our distant ancestors. Now, we can argue about the point in history where we can refer to animals being the direct ancestors of humans. And we can also argue about whether some of the animals that may have previously been assumed to be our direct ancestors are offshoots uh, from direct ancestors so they might not actually be our direct ancestors but just closely related to direct ancestors we may never uncover the complete truth what we do know is that one of the favoured traits of human ancestral development was the ability of hominins to walk upright on two legs Michel Brunet is a paleontologist who was born in the French department of Vienne in 1940. Paleontology is the study of prehistoric life. Brunet was a man who believed that clues to the emergence of man could be found in the savannah grasslands of Africa and was very interested in exploring the area around Lake Chad, which is directly accessible from four different African countries. The government of the Republic of Chad allowed Brunei to conduct research in the Jurab Desert and between 2001 and 2002, Brunei and his colleagues discovered fossils that dated back around 6 to 7 million years ago. 
Brunei claimed that these fossils belonged to a possible ancestor of human beings. Nine cranial specimens of this animal were discovered and demonstrated that the spinal column entered the skull at an angle which would strongly suggest that the animal walked upright on two legs. The animal was given the taxonomic name of Sayalanthropus chadensis, which nominally suggests that it is an ancestor of humans that was discovered in the Sahel region of Chad. The fact that Brunei had claimed that Sayalanthropus chadensis is ancestral to humans has excited debate as the amount of uncertainty surrounding such discoveries is far too much for other scientists and experts to resist. The scientific community are falling over themselves to discover fossils of human ancestors. Some scientists have suggested that the animal could be ancestral to chimpanzees and even gorillas. Some scientists have suggested that the dating of the animal is questionable as you have to date the sedimentary rock surrounding the fossils and some suggest that the sedimentary rock may not be contemporary and that the fossilised bones could have been reburied over time. Some even claim that this animal may not even be directly ancestral to any of the extant, that is living, great apes. So we have to categorise this animal through analysis of probabilities. Sayalanthropus existed around seven uh, or six to seven million years ago during the Miocene epoch and we have very little evidence about them. We know more about the Australopithecines of the more recent Pliocene epoch from four and a half million years ago. The most famous example being Lucy. Mary Leakey was one of those archaeologists, but the most famous discovery was made by a man called Donald Johansson. Johansson was born in Chicago, Illinois, in 1943. Unlike Mary Leakey, Johansson prospered in his education, earning a bachelor's degree, a master's degree and a PhD, becoming a professor of anthropology. Anthropology is the general study of humans and human behaviour both past and present. Johansson was working in the Afar region of Ethiopia, which is part of the Afar Triangle. The region is known for being one of the hottest and driest places on earth, with a distinct lack of air circulation that makes working in this region tough. Most accounts of the day of discovery refer to it being a long, hot day, and that Johansson, accompanied by his colleague Tom Gray, went exploring in a gully, purely on a bit of a whim. Johansson spotted a fossilised bone in the gully and investigated further. Upon discovering this bone, Johansson continued to spot other nearby bones. Johansson recognised that these bones were significant. With his expertise, he quickly established that these bones had to belong 
to a human ancestor and that he could be onto something much more complete than any previous discovery of human ancestor fossils. Johansson and his team celebrated the find in the evening with drinking, dancing and music. Particularly, the song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by the Beatles was played and the team borrowed the name from the song to give a name to their new fossilised friend. Further excavation over the coming days revealed more and more bones and none of them were the same type of bone which strongly suggested that Lucy was indeed an individual. The team managed to find about 40% of the original skeleton. This was absolutely nothing like the very limited discoveries made in years gone by. It was a defining moment in the history of paleoanthropology. Evidence of stone tool use can be attributed to one of the earliest species that has been named in the Homo genus called Homo habilis. Traditionally, it was always thought that the earliest stone tool technology that we could confidently say existed is the Oldowan tool culture that emerged at a similar time as Homo habilis. In 1999, a member of Meave Leakey's team was searching for fossils near Lake Turkana in Kenya. If you remember, Meave Leakey is the wife of Richard, Lewis and Mary's second son. Lake Turkana is where Kamoya Kimeu, a close associate of the Leakeys, discovered the Homo ergaster fossil called Turkana Boy in 1984. A new fossil was found in 1999, another hominin, this time dating to around 3.5 million years ago. Some believe this to be an Australopithecus. However, the distinct flatness of the hominin's face has not only led to it being given the species name of Platyops, which means flat appearance, but also to put it into its own genus, much like Paranthropus. The genus proposed for the hominin is Kenyanthropus. In 2011, a team of archaeologists were working close to where Kenyanthropus platyops was discovered, and they found some stone artefacts. Now once again, they were found after part of the team took a wrong turn and ended up in an area that hadn't been explored. How many times have we heard that in relation to important discoveries already? These tools were large and cumbersome compared to Alderwan tools. They appeared to be made by taking a stone and altering its shape by hitting it against a rock, which is not as calculated and considered as the technique used with Alderwan. The results in terms of the tool's effective result were clearly not as impressive as the older one, meaning that this had to be a newly discovered Stone Age technology much older than the older one. The tools were discovered at a place called Lamekwi in Kenya. 
the tools themselves are now categorised as the Lamequian and predate the Oldowan, which was originally thought of as the starting point. As such, that means that we have had to move the start of the Lower Paleolithic, the Human Stone Age, back to 3.3 million years ago. 3.3 million years ago, there is no evidence of Homo habilis being alive. Therefore, stone tool technology was first used by the ancestors of humans and is not a defining feature of humanity. The first human species that resembles modern humans in the fact that they are fully upright and a similar height to us is Homo erectus. There is no doubt that hominins would have had to have displayed a significant amount of adaptability to have been able to evidently expand as they did after 2 million years ago. Regardless of the arguments as to where all of these different animals that we have talked about fit into the general evolutionary tree is immaterial. We know that hominins are likely to have extended their range from Africa to beyond. The hominin was an animal accustomed to a particular climate and a particular landscape. However, as mentioned in a previous podcast, the African landscape was changing and the cooling world climate would have meant that tree dwelling in the receding rainforest was becoming a thing of the past and the ability to manoeuvre effectively in the open savanna grasslands that were replacing the rainforest would have been essential. This is likely to have led to the straightening up of Homo erectus's physical frame and the adaptation into an animal that could physically run at speed on its two legs. The ability to run would have increased Homo erectus's ability to hunt as it would now have the speed to chase more attractive prey to greater effect. This ability to run would have required the body to sweat as a means of body temperature regulation, so the hair on the bodies of the Australopithecines that once trapped warmth against the body would now become a hindrance, so this would explain the transition towards the bare-skinned animal that we are today. As our hunting skills improved, then the ability to strategize effectively would have become under pressure. Hunting strategy is very much a part of today's animal world. But there is no doubt that these hominins, with the better ability to communicate, would have been more successful. The ability to construct and control fire would have enabled hominins to secure warmth in those areas that they expanded into that were more seasonal and would have claimed the lives of other migratory hominin groups that did not possess this ability. In summary, we had become adaptable due to our increase in skills and it was all of the above that would have given us the evolutionary edge to be able to expand into areas of the world that would not have been the most natural of our habitats previously. One of the earliest human tools was the hand axe. I want you to picture having a stone in each hand. In your less dominant hand, so if you are right-handed, this would be your left hand, 
you will be holding a core stone. In your dominant hand, you will have a hammer stone. The hammer stone will naturally be a harder stone than the core stone. The name of the game with hard hammer percussion is simply to strike the core stone with the hammer stone and knock off flakes from the core stone to create a sharp ridge to the remainder of the core stone. You would then use the hammer stone to strike the remainder of the core stone to remove the sharp ridge as a flake of its own. You can then take this sharp ridged flake and utilise it as a tool. We believe that our ancestors were doing this at Olduvai Gorge 2.5 million years ago due to being able to ultimately radiometrically date the Olduvai Gorge. The time period seems to be in the transitional period between Australopithecines and Homo habilis. Should they find an animal carcass which back then they would have likely scavenged from a kill made by another predator, then they could use these sharp stone flakes to carve the meat from the carcass and access the marrow within the bones of the carcass. You could even use them to scrape the flesh from the hides of these animals so that you could have a nice clean hide to keep you warm and sheltered. Another of the earliest distinguishing features of human ancestors was the ability to create fire. One of the prevalent sites in the study of hominin use of fire is at Gesher Benot Yaakov in Israel. Evidence exists at this site which is important in understanding how the human diet was changing. Certainly, meat was an important part of the diet, with evidence of tool use to carve and access the meat and the marrow-rich interior of the bones of deer, elephant, hippo and fish was obvious. Also, there was the remains of fruit and vegetables as well as nuts and seeds, which supported the idea of a very omnivorous diet. However, a great many of these food remains demonstrated signs of a desire to cook them, as they were obviously charred. Humans possessed the ability to harness and control fire for their own benefit. Unlike tool use and communication, this skill is something that is undeniably exclusive to humans. The site itself is almost 0.8 million years old, so it does fit in quite well into the period of Homo erectus. The pitting of tools and the percentage of remains appears consistent with the expectations of the controlled use of fire, as opposed to there being just a random fire breakout at the site, burning everything and coming down to us as a misinterpretation. There are other sites, most notably Kubifora in Kenya, which shows that there is a potential for the controlled use of fire being true as far back as 1.5 million years ago. However, there is a degree of opposition to this. The issue is trying to determine whether fire use was deliberate or accidental. There is no doubt that humans would have had to observe the effects of naturally occurring fire on the environment, and not least of all on foodstuffs, to have developed a further interest in exploring the possibilities. The effect of cooking foodstuffs would have undoubtedly aided the digestion process and assisting in the expensive tissue theory where it is supposed 
that the less energy required in the digestive process would have allowed more energy to be utilised for brain development and cooked food is easier to digest. Fire is undoubtedly a fundamentally important step in the development of modern humans. The species that bridges the gap between Homo erectus and Neanderthals and modern humans is called Homo heidelbergensis. It is believed that there is a species of human that fits nicely into the gap between the erectus-like Homo antecessor and the Neanderthals, known as Homo neanderthalensis. In 2001, two Englishmen went exploring on the coast of East Anglia, in the east of Great Britain, and they found some remnants of flint that had been worked by human hands and dated to around 700,000 years ago, or 0.7 million years ago. This is the earliest known evidence of human occupation of the British Isles. The site is referred to as Pakefield. There is not much in terms of direct hominin fossils at Pakefield. In order to find out more about that, we need to move south on the Great British Island to Boxgrove in Sussex. Boxgrove is artefact rich and points to a period 500,000 or half a million years ago. The partial tibia of a male was discovered there which shows signs of being the lunch of an animal such as a wolf due to the gnaw marks at either end. Alongside some hominin teeth, these human remains have been determined to belong to a human called Homo heidelbergensis. Homo heidelbergensis was first identified in 1908 and are named after the town of Heidelberg, which sits on the river Neckar, which at the time was in the Grand Duchy of Baden, within the German Empire. Some have supposed that Homo heidelbergensis is a transitional species of human between Homo antecessor and Homo neanderthalensis, and the 700,000-year-old flint remnants at Pakefield are believed to have been made at the hands of a species that is transitional from Homo antecessor and Homo heidelbergensis. The finds at Boxgrove in Sussex, United Kingdom, occupied by Homo heidelbergensis from 500,000 years ago, are interesting. The antlers of deers had been modified to be used as soft hammers, something that wasn't evident previously. Not only this, but what was believed to be the remnants of wooden spears manufactured for hunting use were also recovered. Wooden spears, like antler tools, are also something that we have not discussed before, only briefly mentioned in our Lower Paleolithic Stone Tools podcast, which was episode 5. One of the most fascinating discoveries of wooden spears can be located at Schöningen within Lower Saxony, Germany. The Schöningen spears show evidence of very intelligent work. The spears are carefully selected mainly from spruce wood with particular attention to the natural hardness changes within the wood dictating which part of the wood would be the spear's tip. 
The tip itself is tapered with skill and the weight distribution of the spear is considered in order to give it a good degree of accuracy if and when used like a javelin. These spears give us extremely good clues as to the advances in dexterity and cognitive ability of the hominins that use them. The spears are thought to be between 300,000 and 400,000 years old and the significance of this is that it may well predate the first Neanderthals in Europe. So these spears could have belonged to Homo heidelbergensis. So we should summarise what we know and believe about Homo heidelbergensis. It is possible that the one million year old Spanish fossils that we encountered in the Homo erectus episode that some refer to as Homo antecessor may actually belong to Homo heidelbergensis. It is also possible that the cookery site at Gesher Benot Yarkov in Israel from 0.8 million years ago that we encountered in the same episode could have been the work of Homo heidelbergensis. If Homo antecessor in Spain is indeed Homo heidelbergensis, then we can safely assume that the two British sites of Pakefield and Boxgrove from 0.7 and 0.5 million years ago were also occupied by Homo heidelbergensis. If we consider that Neanderthals had not yet fully evolved, then the wooden spear technology found at Boxgrove, England and Schöningen, Germany were also the work of Homo heidelbergensis. Homo heidelbergensis was predominantly European and was an advancement of Homo erectus in appearance and technology, taking a Schulian tool culture into its later stages and leading it towards the more modern Mousterian tool culture. Homo heidelbergensis was an expert hunter, using carefully manufactured tools to create weapons which could kill even the largest of animals. Some scientists believe that Homo heidelbergensis could actually be the common ancestor of Homo neanderthalensis and Homo sapiens. Thank you very much for listening to this week's History of the World podcast magazine, uh, a special Christmas Day episode. And I hope you've got all your Christmas Day plans sorted out. I certainly know that I've got to get on the road very soon and get get on my way to uh, picking my family up and, and getting all together and, and having a, a smashing Christmas. Um This week's episode was about human ancestors and it was one of a two-parter, so we're going to be doing a second part to this as well. But it really was just because I wanted to embrace volume one again. It's almost the forgotten volume, but in some respects it's our most popular volume because people are saying that they don't find a lot of chronological Um, stuff to do with human development and human ancestry, human evolution. So uh, it was was good fun to do that volume um, five years ago when we were in the thick of it. And uh, it's fun to revisit it. So we're going to do it again in a fortnight and just have a look at some of the other 
parts of the story. Now, if you enjoy, um, or if you enjoyed this History of the World podcast magazine, just be aware there's 24 episodes about human evolution. So I encourage you, if you've not listened to it, go back to the very beginning and listen to the first 24 volumes. I have tried to do some sound enhancements with some of them, and still the sound quality isn't as good as the more recent ones because I was it was early days for me. I was still learning. Um, but I have done some improvements in sound quality and, and volume. So hopefully they'll be... Um, not too bad to listen to by comparison to the modern episodes. So go and give it a try and, and enjoy the story of how we evolved. Now, if you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support the podcast, then please visit our website and click on the Patreon link and sign up to make a monthly contribution. The website is historyoftheworldpodcast.com. You will become a lifelong member of the History of the World podcast Illuminati when you sign up and you will qualify for gifts and rewards. This week, um, I'd like to thank and uh, welcome into the History of the World podcast Illuminati, Robert Wall. So thank you very much, Robert. If you want to access bonus material and you want to listen to the podcast ad free then subscribe to the podcast on spotify and if you want to get in touch with the podcast drop me a line at history of the world podcast at mail.com that's it for this week ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening and um, look forward to seeing you again i think it's going to be uh, new year's day um so or for you good people in america it's probably just going to come out bef just before the new year so um all depends where you are in the world but from uh everyone here at the history of the world podcast well everyone that'll be me um i'd like to wish you a merry christmas have a great day and uh, look forward to being back with you soon and of course um as ever father christmas santa claus doesn't come unless you promise to be good. The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. Please consider making a financial contribution by going to the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website and clicking on the Patreon link. Email the show at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail. And don't forget to join our social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr. See you next time.